The Welsh Wire, where talent and business connect in West Michigan. The Welsh Wire features moderator Mike Rogers and professional recruiting expert Sherry Welsh in this weekly podcast. Listen in as leaders from a wide array of small to mid-sized West Michigan companies weigh in and share their experiences and insights on a variety of business topics, including employee retention challenges and recruitment success stories. Hi, this is Mike Rogers with another great Welsh Wire conversation. Now, here's Sherry Welsh. Hey, good day, and welcome to the Welsh Wire. We are so glad that you joined us today. We are doing our podcast today in collaboration with our friends at the Family Business Alliance in Grand Rapids. We're so glad to partner with them and have as our special guest today, John Ruther, who is the Managing Director of O'Keefe West Michigan. Um, O'Keefe and John's firm are underwriters for the Family Business Alliance, and we're so glad to have John here today. John, welcome to the Welsh Wire. Oh, thanks, Sherry. Really happy to be here today. We're talking about right-sizing risk, and if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you know this is an ongoing series that we've been doing this year with the Family Business Alliance. Um, This is a year like no other. What can we say? 2020s rolled into 2021. You know, it's been challenging and there's been a lot of issues around financial risk and risk mitigation that's really kind of come to the forefront of a lot of business owners' minds. And all our financial discussions are really around this right now. There's still so many uncertainties, right, John? I mean... Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, we're not exactly sure what's going to be happening you know, almost on a day-to-day basis still. Right, right. The, the future is still pretty cloudy. So, you know, the question remains, moving through into 2021, you know, what can we do about right-sizing risk? And John's got some really great information, what, what we'd like to think are some very valuable lessons, right, John, about how to right-size your risk as a business, you know, really getting up to that 10,000 foot view and looking at all the things that you might need to be considering to to mitigate risk. So before we get into that, let's learn a little bit more about John. John, share with us a a brief history of O'Keefe and tell us a little bit about your background and your background with the company too. Sure. So O'Keefe's been in business since uh, 2000. Um, Pat O'Keefe over in the uh, Metro Detroit area started everything up. Uh, we are what I would call a highly specialized financial transaction uh, firm. So we get involved um, in anything from, say, mezzanine debt. We run a uh, we run a fund called the uh, Grow Michigan Two Fund. Uh, we um, we get involved in turnaround management. We're also in litigation support, so helping uh, attorneys uh, understand what, from a financial aspect or maybe damages, things of that sort. And then we also do um, investment banking. So we're involved in a lot of M&A deals. And then we do some strategic advisory too. So uh, O'Keefe has locations in West Michigan, has locations in uh, Metro Detroit, and also in Phoenix. And we have a we have a nationwide reach. So it's really a nice place to be and uh, uh, you know, just a great group of people who have uh, a wealth of knowledge and, and uh, background in um, finance and and really running businesses, uh, right, including myself. Right. Yes, so, um, Re- really valuable resources for family businesses in West Michigan. And you're a pretty new underwriter to Family Business Alliance too. Yeah, this is our first year involved and uh, we're, we're really excited about it. Uh, 
we, uh, you know, I have a little bit of a background in family business, really, uh, since I've been growing up, my entire family uh, has run different businesses and, uh, you know, sometimes together, sometimes separately, but uh, learned a lot of valuable lessons within uh, those family businesses. And um, it's it's nice to carry those over to O'Keefe and actually be able to see it maybe from a little bit of a different side, you know, take the experience, but right. then also take that financial information uh, you know, that we we bring and say, wow, if I could have only applied that, you know, 20 years ago. Oh, of course. I know. I know. And that perspective is so rich, right? I mean, I, I share that same perspective that you have from a family business. I grew up with parents who ran a family business. I run a family business today. And I think that really does give us a little bit different perspective, right? As we talk with family business owners, because we have literally walked in their shoes. Yeah. And even right now, my wife um, runs a business with my daughter and my son-in-law. So, there you go. Um, I get to give I get to give advice to them, um, but since it's within the family, I'm not sure they listen to me all the time. But it's still pretty good. <laughs> well, there's that, right? There's that. Yeah. And John, you and I were talking uh, earlier, and we found out we're both Chippewas, graduates of Central Michigan University, which is another cool thing we have in common. You got it. Fire up chips, and we also learned that we are not going to jointly sing the fight song because one of us knows it and one of us doesn't. <laughs> So we'll just, that. we'll just let that lie. But yeah, we, we've got some fun common backgrounds um, that we can talk from. But you're really the expert when it comes to mitigating risk, not me. And we want to hear from you today more about that. So can you start us out with just kind of giving us an overview, John? Let's talk about the economy because from a risk viewpoint, this sort of sets the table for you know, what we're dealing with right now, what, what we might need to be concerned about. And then I know you've got strategies to talk about too, but, but, you know, tell us about the state of the economy as you see it today. Yeah. So obviously um, with the economy right now, it's in what I would call that uncertain state, right? Which has gone ahead and caused some risk factors that people hadn't considered you know, previously. I think really since the first time uh, in many of our lives, really probably going back to World War II, we hadn't seen something like what we saw last year with some government intervention. Uh, you, know, we ended up seeing obviously some social changes that maybe uh, you know we haven't seen that kind of cultural type issues since uh, maybe the 1960s. And right. so we we really ended up getting some impact of things that I would call macro environmental, you know, beyond our control. That um, you know, we're still trying to sort out. Okay. Are, are these going to be uh, the way that things move in the future? You know, is, is this uh, something that's just temporary? And I think we're seeing some sea changes out there where, yeah, there's yeah. there's definitely some pieces in there that are going to make their way, um, you know, into our lives and our businesses from now on. So right. um, that's probably the, uh, the big piece that um, I think came out of it was maybe a, a step back in society from looking at just financial risk to you know, taking a look at that bigger risk and, and taking a look at you know those macro environmental uh, you know economic um, environmental social uh, and you know, governance type changes right right and you describe it well calling it a sea change that's really what it was I mean the pandemic just changed so much about the way we do business and the things that we didn't think would impact our businesses never considered would, well, they never did before. As you mentioned, some of those social changes, which we haven't seen since the 1960s. And candidly, I mean, most of us as business owners were not around owning businesses in the 1960s. So right, yeah. this is a whole new world, right? For many right. of us. Yeah. 
So you've got that sea change that's happening as a result of the pandemic. Um, you talk about the fact that financial risks sort of came secondary. It's yeah, almost like and, an afterthought. And really, and, and it was more of people trying to understand how that risk maybe came financially. For forever, we've had you know, economic indicators, right? Unemployment, right. things of that sort. And you know, that you know, triggers or signals to society, hey, here's what, you know, from the investment bank side of things or the investment side of things, um, people saying, aha, you know, there's some sort of change that's going on. Risk is either increasing or decreasing. But what we right. didn't have was from that, um, you know, environmental slash social slash government, you know, that wasn't really built into it. But what you're seeing now is that even credit analysts, I think 85% of credit analysts um, say that they have an ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance. Um, they have some uh, factors that they look at when they're determining whether or not you're going to be able to raise capital. Uh, you know, So from an uh, investment standpoint, if you're maybe a PE firm looking to acquire one of these family businesses, um, or you know, if your bank is looking to you know, give you an additional loan. So, so it's being quantified now. And so it's actually turning into maybe um, you know, some financial risks that somebody can go ahead and quantify. That's interesting in a way that they never really considered right. as strongly before. I mean, maybe they considered it in a small way, but not as strongly as yeah. they do today. And, and and they're really looking for um, the family businesses now to have, uh, you know, at least considered in their strategic planning um, that they're addressing these things. Okay, how am I impacting the environment? Whether you uh, you know have something to say, I'm going to be doing something that's going to change the way I do it, or or just having it addressed. They they want you to say, hey, I've taken a look at this. Um, you know, same thing on uh, you know how are you going to work with maybe to potential new government regulations, things of that sort. Right. So interesting. So interesting. And yet, you also mentioned that you know we're we're looking over the horizon and it's cloudy and there's still a lot of unknowns. Right. Um, so for as, as much as we're maybe better understanding what some of the sea changes are and what the implications are for us, the future is still a little cloudy. Talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, from a risk standpoint, yeah, the future is cloudy, right? But there's some things that you can do internally to, um, you know, keep the value up on your company. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, addressing this ESG, taking a look, making sure that you're seeing what's going on. Obviously, it's important to uh, look at current events, but then looking back into your own business, um, you know, one of the things that you can do is uh, tighten up your own financials, right? So take a look, uh, get your get your accounting in order, right? Um, as you're doing that, and just to give you an example, mm -hmm. I was uh, working with one uh, family business where they just did... A fantastic job. They were they were bringing in um, you know good cash flow. They had uh, you know great margins. They had fantastic you know intellectual property and all the things that you always hear about from a risk standpoint. You know they had addressed. They had all the customers that you can think of. It wasn't too concentrated. All those other things, but their financials or their their accounting was just awful. Yeah. And what ended up happening is when they went to get bought. Um, you know, they should have been at you know, uh, almost a $5 million sale, but due to the fact that when the due diligence started and, and there were several companies that tried to buy it, 
when they got in there and started to take a look and all of a sudden there started to be some questions about whether or not these financial statements were actually reasonable mm-hmm. and some of the things couldn't be proven out, all of a sudden that dropped down to uh, when the a, a couple of times people pulled out and, and a couple of times people came back with offers. It was only about half. So wow. just just tightening up your financials and making sure that um, you know somebody can see three to five years of really good, solid financials that you can't poke holes in, right. um, it turns out to be uh, just a uh, thing that's really valuable to the business. Oh, I would imagine so. That's great advice. So, so important to do that. You also talk about the risk of a lot of knowledge being centralized in one individual sure. in the operation. Um, Tell us it, more it, about that. Yeah. And you see that um, in, in a lot of family businesses, right? Uh, sure. The founder has a lot of um, knowledge. Obviously they started it. They um, have a lot of charisma. They know the, they know the customers, they know the suppliers, they know um, they know the business really well. And um, in a lot of cases, you'll see that the people who work for uh, or work within that, that company look to that person to make all those decisions. That's right. So um, when it comes time to uh, look to either passing on or exit or, or taking a look at uh, even you know, expanding customer base, et cetera, right. it turns out it's that person that is the reason that uh, you know, the business is so successful. So it's really important for you to start to pass that information on to somebody else so that, yeah, when somebody comes in maybe from the outside to buy your business, you know, they look and say, aha, if I, if I you know, buy this, there's good management people in place. It's not just the owner who may be exiting in a year or two, even if I have them stay on. So. Right. Oh, that's so true. And, you know, just recently I was working with a client who identified risk, even down one more level. So to go a little bit more micro on this, you know, sometimes even individual contributors, if they are the only one that can do that job function and it is critical to getting work out the door or to, yeah. to doing what you need to take care of for your client and your customers, the loss of that individual to from the company opens up great risk. Um, our client identified that, which is one of the reasons we were brought into the conversation, right? To try to find another person to, to shore that up. But even down another level from the leadership team, there can be key people on the team that if you lose that one individual, you could be sunk. For a while, oh, yeah. you and might I've not be that, able to get work out the door. I've seen that in the supply chain thing where yep. um, the the business had where the person who was really doing the purchasing had created an entire system, obviously had all the relationships too, but it created this entire system using, uh, I think it was Microsoft Excel. But anyways, when they, when they left, nobody knew how to use that. <laughs> and yeah, it ended up being several months before... Yeah, they were able to get their arms around the whole thing. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> that yeah, is a right. problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You also talk about budgeting and planning as being something that needs to be examined. Tell us more about that, John. Yeah, obviously, you know, when you're running a business, if you can forecast what's going to end up happening, um, it, it's really valuable. So you're taking a forward look. Uh, you, you don't necessarily want your accounting department to just be giving you historical information <sighs> either. So if you're taking those forward looks, uh, that can add value. And I'll give you just an example. So uh, I was with a company for 20 years. Um, I had made my way up to the C-level in the company. We grew quite a bit. And here we were 
I had started with them when they were 400 million. They ended up being 800 million. Mm. And we had never done a budget in the entire history of the company. Been around since 1926. (laughs) You know, here we are sitting in, I think it was 2002, and we'd never done a budget. Yeah, people are saying, hey, we want to grow this much this year, you know, reduce expenses this much. And, you know, let's make sure we're collecting our receivables on time, you know, something like that. And we were probably the most profitable business within the industry. Um, And quite by accident, what might we add, right? Quite by accident, because there was really no planning that went into that, right? Well, no, no real official planning, right? So anyways, (laughs) uh, we get a new CFO in and that CFO goes ahead and puts in a budgeting planning thing. And and we're all really competitive people. So we want to win at everything we do. Right. And puts in the budget, and this isn't one of these budgets where, hey, you know, I said I was going to spend three thousand dollars on uh, supplies this year, and I only spent twenty five hundred. So next year I can only spend twenty five hundred. Not something like that, but just actually holding you to, hey, I know my business. Well, we ended up three years later after really getting this in place, and we're all pretty proud of ourselves. Of hey, we're hitting these budgets, and and they're going to where they need to be. And you know, we're hitting projections. And you see this in Wall Street, right? You got to hit your projections. But anyways, we're hitting our projections. We're at ESOP. So twice a year, we're sending in our financials to somebody who's going to do evaluation. Yep. I mean, I'm an ABV now, so I do valuations. But at the time, I had no idea how they did these valuations. So we send it in. And we're at 71 bucks a share, which was pretty cool. Yep. Um, and we thought, well, we're going to go to 75. You know, this is just based on what we think. And it came back and it was 85 bucks a share. Oh, wow. We were like, how did it get to $85 a share? Well, what turned out is when we started talking to the valuation people, they said, well, you know, for all these years, you never gave us projections. We didn't really know that you knew what you were doing. But after two or three years of you guys hitting this, we understood. So we removed a risk factor that we always had in there. And that bumped you up. You always should have been, you know, 5 to $10 higher than what we valued you at. And it was wow. like... Oh my goodness. And that was kind of when the light bulb went off. Um, You should really be looking at doing forecasting and and budgeting. Oh, that's a great story. Really hits home, I'm sure, for a lot of family businesses. Yeah, that's a great, great story. And and with a wonderful ending too. Wow. Terrific lesson. Yeah. Talk a little bit about relationships, John. You you mentioned that relationships can really um, be a risk factor for companies too. Tell us what you mean by that. Yeah, definitely creating strong relationships is important. Um, you know, West Michigan, that's kind of what we're built on anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, having those strong relationships with your suppliers, you know, maybe with your bankers, uh, things of that sort. Um, you know, when something comes around, if you're communicating with them, if you've got a good relationship, if that trust is built there, you know, you're going to get some, some additional help, some additional effort from those yeah. folks that maybe you wouldn't get before. And I'll give you an example. And, and, you know, and it goes both ways too. Um, so for example, uh, the company I was with that I was telling you about, we had a really good relationship with Bear Paint, you know, the folks that do um, you know, the paints at uh, Home Depot, right? So yep. we had a really good relationship with them, but we ended up in a situation that's not too dissimilar than what's happening right now. So in petrochemicals, you're seeing force majeure where people just can't meet contracts due to yeah. a lack of supply. Yeah. Well, we were in a situation back when Katrina was going on 
that was going to cause, and it wasn't going to be a huge delay, but we were about to delay uh, bare paint from actually being able to supply Home Depot. And we were only going to be maybe a half a day late. But because we had those relationships, we decided we'd bend over backwards for them. We went out to the local Home Depots around where we had to make the deliveries. And we ended up buying pallets worth of uh, paint that was already on the shelves and delivering it back to Home Depot. So, or not to Home Depot, but delivering it back to Bear Paint so that Bear could deliver it back to, um, you know, back to uh, Home Depot and not miss out on anything. Not that that's, you know, the, the story that you're going to hear from everyone, but there's all sorts of stories out there like that where, um, yeah, when, when you're in those kinds of situations, that trust level, um, you know, helps. Now, yeah. Obviously, some of that is going to be you know, just beyond anybody's control, Yeah, but as much as you can get done is really helpful. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I know another thing that you like to talk about is that whole ESG, that environmental, social, governmental aspect yeah. of risk and yeah. really paying attention to that um, in a way that you maybe never have before. Yeah. And I would say that you're starting to see within the middle market, too. Um, I think I think I did something not too long ago where over 50% of the middle market is adopting that. Uh, but yeah, that actually goes back to your supply chains and your relationships because farther up the food chain too, um, a lot of the big suppliers, a lot of the big uh, customers of yours are, are starting to take these into account. And so, um, you know, it, it's a good thing to look out and you know, see uh, some standards that are out there. Um, even talk to your customers or, or to your suppliers if you're going to get something going where uh, they can help you to uh, implement at least something from a strategic standpoint that will help you uh, and, and make it easier by you know, talking to somebody who's already been through it. Right, right. For sure. For sure. These are great areas that you have highlighted here. And, you know, the reason we look at this is because we all care about the value of our business, whether we're going to run it ourselves as, you know, first generation or second generation, now generation, as we sometimes refer to it at Family Business Alliance, yeah. or whether we're getting ready to you know, pass it down to the family members, or whether we're looking to sell it. I mean, we all have hopes of sustaining our business in a very healthy manner going forward. So talk to us a little bit about those effects of, of mitigating risk or not mitigating risk on the value and even on M&A situations. Yeah. So, you know, really, as we're talking about it, from an M&A situation, from a, you know, raising funds situation, if you've got these things that we talked about in order, right, um, maybe you're talking about the ESG, maybe you're talking about your financials, maybe you've done this forecasting you're going to know your story a lot better. Everybody knows their story really well, but you're going to know it a lot better from, um, you know, maybe some things that uh, are uh, important to uh, either somebody who's acquiring or, like I say, maybe you, you're you going to need to get some assets because you're growing, right? So it's that it's that raising capital. It's, uh, it's, it's potentially exiting, like you were saying. Um, having those things in place, you do go ahead and add that value because as the M&A comes in or somebody's doing their due diligence, yeah, they're starting to add risk into, um, you know, beyond your risk-free rate that you get from the yield rate, from the treasuries, beyond what you're looking at from the stock market. They're looking at the company risk. And as they start adding that risk up, that discounts 
your, um, you know, your company. So if they say, well, gee, we think it's you know, risky enough to make it an additional 25%, well, that lowers the value of your company by 25%. So you don't want to have that happen. You want to make it as tight as possible so that when these things come about, um, you know, that you're ready for them. And yeah, you're seeing out there a lot of um, what's known as dry powder or funds that aren't being invested right now. Uh, so there's a lot of buyers out there and there's a lot of things going on with banks right now where you know, there was cash penned up that they want to get out and, and they want to be able to spend. So right. It right. Is, you know, if you can show that you've got that value, people that are valuable or businesses that are valuable are going to get funded. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So looking forward, you know, uh, for our listeners today who are saying, great, I, I've got some ideas of things I need to look at, but, you know, give us a few takeaways. What are what are some of your recommendations, John, for things that listeners can put into practice right now today um, yeah. to, you know, to, be, to really get their hands around this? Yeah, so to really get your hands around it, I, I would say that, um, you know, it's important to have good financial management inside of your company. And obviously, um, I come from that industry, so I've got a bias. But yeah, it's it's really good to have somebody that you can rely on that will help guide uh, you, know, you and take and interpret uh, the financial data that you're getting out of your business right, right now. You know, sometimes we get stuck in the weeds as business owners and we're, we're uh, you know, all looking at how are we going to get the next deal? We're looking at how do we take care of the customer? You know, we're, we're, we're wanting to make sure that everybody gets uh, you know, the best value that they can out of what we're doing for them. Um, but then we kind of forget to take a look and say, well, gee, what is our own information telling us? And yeah, don't just look at historical. You, you, as we started talking about with the, um, you know, with the forecasting, yeah, take a look at how can I make that change and then uh, monitor and, and put in some metrics to see and give yourself some goals that way. And I know a lot of people do that. It's just uh, it's just kind of reiterating or reinforcing that. Right, for sure. I, you know, it, it, as a business owner and a business leader, we struggle with the whole concept of working in the business versus working on the business. Right. Right. Like yeah, you say, yeah. we get we get down in the weeds, and sometimes we need to pull ourselves back up and really look work on the business. And right sizing risk is all about working on the business to right. protect to protect that that value and create value for the future too, regardless of what that means, whether it's passing to the next generation or if it does mean some M&A right. activity. Yeah, yeah and, and like you say, create value for the future because what is, you know, finance itself is there to fund value. That's, yeah. that's really the whole thing. And, and obviously, if something's not valuable anymore, um, then there's not a need for it. So as long as, right. as, long as you're keeping it valuable, then um, you know, that makes all the sense in the world. It sure does. It sure does. John, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, you're, you, you're so knowledgeable. I mean, you really know this. You live this every day at O'Keefe. Um, if they want to reach out to you with some questions, more insight, or you know, maybe want to see what O'Keefe can do to help them, how can they um, get in touch with you, John? Yeah. So if you want to take a look at the overall firm, um, you can go ahead and go to www.ok. E-E-F-E-L-L-C.com. So O'KeefeLLC.com. And you can look at our website from there. If you want to get a hold of me, give me a call. Um, my office is 616-233-8080. And yes, I'm in the office. <laughs> and uh, or you can or you can call me on my cell phone, uh, 616-550-9415. If you want to get a hold of me via email, it's jruther 
the letter J, then R-U-T-H-E-R, at O'KeefeLLC.com. So awesome. All sorts of ways to get a hold of me or anybody in the firm. We, we love helping people. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And your suggestions today have been spot on, really, really helpful. And we really appreciate you being our guest. Well, thanks. I appreciate being on. And um, yeah, like I say, fire up chips and you can go ahead and sing the fight song if you'd like. Oh, yeah, you know, that, that'd be a way to close, wouldn't it? Oh, my goodness. John, it's been a delight talking with you again. Our guest today has been John Ruther, the managing director at O'Keefe, West Michigan. John, thanks again for your time. Oh, thanks so much. Appreciate it, Sherry. Thank you for listening to The Welsh Wire. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. For more information, visit welshandassociates.net.